In Exodus 18, we read the story of Jethro coming to visit Moses. Jethro was a priest of Midian. Moses stayed with Jethro while he was exiled from Egypt. Exodus 18, verse 1. When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom. For he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. And the name of the other was Eleazar. For the God of my father, said he, was mine help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Verse 5. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness where he encamped at the mouth of God. And he said to Moses, I, thy father-in-law, Jethro, am come unto thee, and thy wife and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance and kissed him and they asked each other of their welfare and they came into the tent. Obeisance is defined by the dictionary as a gesture expressing deferential respect, such as a bow or a curtsy. In the days of Joseph, I think the brothers fell on the ground and put their head to the ground to show obeisance to Joseph. Verse 8, And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 10. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. Verse 12, And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God, and Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Verse 13, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all 
that he did to the people. He said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto evening? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. The people of the Old Testament did not have the Holy Spirit. The prophets had the Holy Spirit. So they came to the prophet to see what they should do. In the New Testament, it's not that way. Everyone who believes in God and is called of God has been given the Holy Spirit so they can connect in the New Testament directly with God and do not have to go through a prophet. Though there are still prophets today in the church, God uses them primarily to send messages of correction to the church, to individuals and ministers. Verse 16, Moses said, When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Verse 19, Jethro says, Hearken now unto my words. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. Remember in the wilderness, 600,000 men walked out of Egypt, Hebrew men. Plus they had wives and children. And they had people that had attached themselves to the Hebrews that they took with them. This was a huge amount walking through the wilderness. It would be well over a million people. For Moses to have to deal with this alone would have been an enormous task. Verse 22. So Jethro has said, Pick out rulers from among the people, men who fear God, men of truth, men who hate covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. Verse 23, If thou shalt do this thing, 
and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. Verse 24. So Moses hearkened unto the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons, the hard causes they brought unto Moses. But every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. In the New Testament church today, we have elders and bishops deacons, and they help with the church in teaching the church, speaking New Testament scriptures and laws of God to the church. Here is the description Paul gave of the elder bishop, and that's the same thing, elder, bishop, and deacons. Titus chapter 1, verse 4. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, says Paul, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou should set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop or elder must be blameless, as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine to both exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Now, I have attended churches where an elder wasn't even married. He was a divorced man, husband of one wife, and he had one child. But there was no evidence that he could care for the church. His being an elder was not done according to the Bible. This was that word of faith which Robert Tilton was pastor. But especially an elder or bishop, same office, an elder must be the husband of one wife, not having multiple wives. In the Old Testament, they did have multiple wives. In the New Testament, I would assume that this would mean they were not divorced and married to another woman, having multiple wives. And their children had to demonstrate that they were under obedience because Paul said, how else do you know that he is able to deal with the church unless his own children are dealt with properly. 1 Peter 5, verse 1, Peter said, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder. Now that tells us that Peter had multiple children. 
We know he had a mother-in-law because Jesus healed the mother-in-law. Some churches teach that Peter was not married. Paul was not married, but Peter was married and had children and was an elder as well as an apostle. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul sets forth the requirements necessary for a man to be an elder or bishop. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop, then, must be blameless, or elder must be blameless. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, of those people without the church, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. There was a period of time I played bridge at the Bridge Center in Lubbock, Texas. There was a Church of Christ man and his wife who played bridge, and he was an elder at the Church of Christ. The director of the Bridge Center was a Baptist. And one time I said to her, I just don't see how that man can be an elder. He is so unfriendly. And he just does everything he can to beat us. I don't see how that displays an elder. And Betty said, well, I don't either. Concerning deacons, verse 8, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. My own cousin was a deacon in a Baptist church. He wouldn't work. He didn't support his family. He would keep a job a little bit and then quit. This is an irresponsible character flaw, which shows he should not be an elder. Eventually, his wife divorced him. His children did not speak well of him. When they spoke of him, it was that he wouldn't work. He wouldn't keep a job. And I told him once, I said, how do you expect to provide for your family? How do you expect to send your children to college for their well-being in education that they might have a profession? There was no answer. He once came to me and wanted money. I went and got my checkbook and I said, you can have every penny in my checkbook. I think I had maybe $6,000. And he was embarrassed. He said, I did not want 
to come and ask you for this money. It was my wife who insisted I do it. He wouldn't take the money to his credit. Let the deacons be husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. He did not demonstrate any of those things. These are the New Testament rules by which you select a deacon or an elder bishop for the church. I've seen them violated multiple times. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today. Today we are playing for you Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, Piano Concerto Number 24. I have a rather humorous story about a Mozart CD. A friend of mine years ago who was not initiated into the classical music field decided she would go buy a CD of Mozart. So she went to the store and kind of looked around, glanced around, and then she clerk said, can I help you? And she said, well, I wanted to buy a CD of Mozart. And the clerk said, well, Mozart CDs go from here all the way to the back of the store. Linda said she just stood there and stared for a moment and turned and walked out. (laughs) Mozart was so prolific. He died when he was about 37, 38. But he wrote probably more compositions than anyone ever has written. This is played by Academy of St. Martin's in the field, one of my favorite chamber orchestras, Neville Mariner, conductor, and the pianist is someone I very much like. He's extremely sensitive in his handling of Mozart. Alfred Brindell. <laughs> 